0: I didn't realize how much I wiggled when I talked. I would actually cast our six-year-old son,
1: Mac, (laughs) right? That makes me smile even thinking about it. So much of what is powerful about listening is about your own individual experience and how you show up in conversation.
2: Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
1: In this episode, Meet the founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, Jody Cohen, co authors Mark and Angel Chernoff, and writer and tech researcher Jimena Vinguachea. Healthy bodies, healthy minds, and healthy relationships. What better way to start the spring season? Listen in as each of these authors talks about what inspired them to write their books. Plus, hear their stories from the audio recording booth. Enjoy.
0: This is Jody Cohen, author of Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. I was inspired to write my book by my son Max. We live in Seattle, which is rainy. So, our weekend regular outing was going to one of the large bookstores. And the kids would go first, and we'd pick a couple books that they might want. And then they'd come with me to the health section where they would figure out which book they were going to buy and watch me look for essential oil books. And every week I would say, gosh, I don't see the book that I think I want to read. And finally, my son Max said, well, I guess you're just going to have to write it then. The book really encompasses the science behind why essential oils work and how to really use them to get maximum benefit. For example, a lot of the research discounts topical application because they assume it's only working on the local area and not the full body. And one of the things that I realized is that when you apply oils on specific reflex points, it does have kind of a global effect on the whole body. So really making sure that people that are using oils get the maximum benefits that I've discovered in Clinical practice, and then found the research to explain why that works so well. One of the things that makes me sad about essential oils is they've kind of been relegated to magic and almost discounted. And what most people forget is that essential oils are the highly concentrated essences of plants, and plants are the basis for more than 50% of the pharmaceutical drugs that have been approved in the last 50 years. White willow bark has evolved into aspirin. Valerian root is now Valium. Oils have the same chemical constituents and healing properties that we find in all of our drugs. And there are ways to use them that are super uninvasive and natural that can help a lot of people just feel better every day. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, the word would be humbling. I didn't realize both how much I wiggled when I talked and how my assumption of how words were pronounced wasn't necessarily how they were pronounced. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the word say-shitty. I guess it kind of sounded like say-shitty. <laughs> we, we did a lot of takes on that word. I'm excited that listeners are going to get Proven clinical strategies for topical essential oil application. I feel like it really takes the guesswork both out of the blends and what works, and then also the application strategies. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Julie Andrews. I love her as Mary Poppins. She has both a warmth and a kindness, and she kind of blends... Magic with intelligence, in a way that I really tried to emulate in the book. And <laughs> I also love that she voices Lady Whistledown in Bridgerton. You know, there's something about a British accent that seems to add credibility to everything. Wouldn't it be great if my book sounded like The Sound of Music? The last audiobook I listened to was Joe Dispenza becoming supernatural because he has a lot of guided meditations in the book, and I find it so much easier to listen to that and close my eyes and really concentrate instead of reading it. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Just as your car has a gas pedal and brakes, your nervous system has two speeds. The sympathetic fight-or-flight branch automatically helps you accelerate and avoid danger or provides a burst of energy to combat perceived dangers. The parasympathetic rest, digest, and heal branch slows down the body and shifts it into a response that calms you and allows for recovery and repair after the danger has passed. The gear shift between these two states is your vagus nerve. It facilitates the state of balance between your sympathetic and parasympathetic systems serving as the on-off switch between the two.
2: Hi, I'm Mark.
3: And I'm Angel Chernoff.
2: And we are co-authors of the book, A Thousand-Plus Little Habits of Happy, Successful Relationships. We wrote this book together because we do a lot of coaching with individuals. I mean, we've actually picked up a lot of coaching throughout the pandemic, with readers of our blog, readers of our books. And a lot of these people, when they are struggling, are struggling with relationship-oriented issues. It could be marriage issues. It could be relationship issues with other family members, including children. And so we wanted to put a book out there that was a quick-hit inspiration, a daily reminder for those uh, relationship situations that aren't in dire straits, right? They're They're not at a breaking point but they're at a point where they need to be addressed, right? We can't just ignore it and expect that the problems are gonna disappear. And we realize that a lot of times it's the quick reminders, the affirmations, the prayers, the quotes that are the reminders we need on a day-to-day basis to be able to take that deep breath and give ourselves the space and the mindset necessary to interact with those who sometimes frustrate us to no end. <laughs> if I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, what would that word be? Ah, fun. <laughs> Recording the audiobook is fun. Angel and I do it together, so it really is a tossing the ball back and forth process, and that—that that is a fun process.
3: I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of words, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. But one that sticks out is the word worthwhile. I was pronouncing it with a D at the end, worthwhile and yeah. <laughs> I was corrected. <laughs> there was a little
2: like like a little subtle D in there yes. that we, we noticed. So now I know. I love telling some of the short stories in the book. So I love narrating the short stories. Maybe it's because it's just fresh in my mind. We just finished the book. The Unwritten Love Poem, which closes out the book, is a, an old reflection on why it's tough to sometimes come up with the right words for the people that you love most. So I'm excited for people to hear that.
3: If I wasn't going to record my book, this is going to be silly, but I would actually cast our six-year-old son, Mac, (laughs) right? Like, I think his adorable voice and reading some of these, you know, bullet points and some of these points that we talked about from a child's perspective – I just think that would be amazing because these points are reminders, right? They're things we already know. They're not groundbreaking. And they apply to all of us regardless of background or age. And so that makes me smile even thinking about it, you know, having a child read our book and having Max specifically read a lot of the lessons that we've learned throughout life and that we're trying to spread.
2: Sometimes he leans over our shoulder when we're writing a new blog post, for instance, He's at an age now where he can actually read, you know, like we could hand him green eggs and ham and he can read the book to us. So he, you know, struggles sometimes to read our words, but he reads them. And it's so great when he comes up behind us and he starts reading them out loud in a cute little, like, six and a half year old voice. So, yes, I agree with that. That's a great take on it.
3: The last audiobook I listened to was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Mm. And when a book is more of a memoir, it's great to hear it in the author's voice. So I would have to say that was the most memorable one.
2: And where's your favorite place to listen?
3: Honestly, it's either cleaning the house, doing laundry, and doing dishes, or exercising. So those are the favorite places that I like to listen to audiobooks.
2: Yeah, Angel puts in her. Um iPod Pros, yeah. they're wireless, you know, and the iPhone's just sitting there on the counter and she's running around the house doing all sorts of stuff. It's great. And now, listen to a clip from our audiobook. Let's start off here with a hard yet vital truth. You will end up sadly disappointed in both your life and relationships if you expect people will always do for you as you do for them. Not everyone has the same heart as you have. And you don't need everyone to have a heart like yours. While relationships can be a richly fulfilling source of intimacy, pleasure, and love, it's also true that they can trigger us to close up our hearts. This is a continuous struggle for the majority of the population, and also the single greatest point of potential for our personal growth.
1: Hi, this is Jimena Venguechea, author of Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. I wrote my book because I wanted to help people feel less lonely and less alone. We are living in this moment of cultural and political divisiveness. We are, because of the pandemic, physically distanced from each other too. And all of these things make having really connected conversations even harder. My experience in listening comes from my training as a user experience researcher. And in that role, I get to interview people about how they use particular products. In my case, I work in technology and understand how those products fit into their everyday worlds. And that involves interviewing them one-on-one, running workshops or observing them in the field. And that training has become really essential in how I think about listening in my everyday world. And so I wanted to share what I knew about listening as a way to help other people have more connection in their lives and get to know each other better in ways that I think are often overlooked. I was inspired to write this book because... We're increasingly connected, but not necessarily connecting. So we're all on social media or on email or text all the time. There's no shortage of ways to be in touch, but we don't necessarily take the time to really understand the other person in conversation. Culturally, we often focus on our role in conversation. So we're often taught how to persuade others or how to influence, or give a presentation, or tell a better story. But that's only part of the equation. And if we forget the other side, which is listening deeply with curiosity and empathy and humility, it's really difficult to make an actual connection with someone, because you're treating them as an audience instead of as a human being. And I think that's what we all want. As humans, we want to get to know other people and to be seen and understood ourselves. If I had to pick one word to describe my experience recording this audiobook, I would choose flow. When you're recording an audiobook, you have to be extremely present and in the moment. And I just found that for me at least, the time really flew as I was reading my book, and maybe that's because it's my book and I enjoy reading it. You know, I had been told about how much work it would be to read an audiobook, and it absolutely is work, but it didn't feel effortful in the moment. In many ways, that was somewhat of a surprise to me, in part because I'm a first-generation American. My parents are from South America, And as a kid, and even into college, I was never the person to raise her hand to volunteer to read a passage, because I was always afraid of pronouncing something wrong. That, and I think I just didn't really want to be the center of attention. So in some ways, it surprised me just how much of that flow I really felt. When I think about what was difficult to pronounce while recording, it was less that there was a word that I was mispronouncing or didn't know how to pronounce, and more that I had to think a lot more about articulation. So a good example is the word O-U-R, our, which in conversation you can say very colloquially and it can sometimes come out as r sounding more like a r e. So, I just had to watch those moments and had a lot of help and coaching to recognize those moments of when more articulation on that very simple and frequently used word was being read. I think the piece of my narration that I'm most proud of is just how it fits all together. My book is somewhat complicated in the sense that it has many elements. So it has just shy of 100 illustrations. It has exercises for readers or listeners to do on their own time. It has lists. It has tables and charts. There's a lot going on. So it wasn't so straightforward to figure out how to translate some of those elements into audio. And so there was quite a bit of experimentation and, creative thinking required to figure out how and when to translate an illustration into audio. I'm most excited for listeners to take on the exercises in the book because I think so much of what is powerful about listening is about your own individual experience and how you show up in conversation. And so there's exercises that help you uncover You know, what kind of listener you are. Are you the person who's naturally validating and saying, yeah, you're right, you know? Or are you the person who's a natural problem solver, who's listening to give advice? There are so many different ways that we can show up in a conversation. And so the exercises in the book are a great opportunity for listeners to discover some of those pieces of themselves. My dream narrator if I hadn't read this book myself, would not be a celebrity or probably anybody I'd ever heard of. I know that there are many voice actors in the industry who are way more experts than I am at this kind of work, and I would prefer to go that route and help support someone in their creative pursuit. The qualities I would look for would be someone who can speak with warmth and empathy, some whimsy and some humor, some playfulness, while still also balancing a little bit of credibility to the guidance that they share in the book. The last great audiobook I listened to was Susan Orleans, the library book. Susan Orleans is very much present in this book. She talks about her relationship to libraries and specifically goes into the story of what happened in the Los Angeles County Library, which burned in 1986, I believe. And it's just a beautiful part love letter to libraries, part descriptor of the sort of zany and colorful and eclectic world that is any library that you could walk into. And so I really enjoyed hearing how she wove all those stories together. I like to listen to audiobooks while I do somewhat mundane chores around the house, basically things where I can kind of multitask and listen at the same time, and where I feel like by listening to a book at the same time, I'm kind of upping my value on that time, so I'm not just doing the dishes, I'm learning something at the same time or being whisked away to another world. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. We've all had conversations in which we felt unheard, and we've all also had conversations in which we, like Eve, were the ones to miss our partner's cues and failed to truly understand them. Ineffective listening is common and happens every day. We often stop listening because we think we know what the other person is going to say. She is so easy to read. Because we have an informed opinion about how they will respond. He always leads by playing devil's advocate. Or because we have an idea of how we think they should respond. It's obvious the correct answer is yes.